Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Good morning, Richmond. What a beautiful day it is here at 308 Broad Street, the studios of WLEE News Talk 990. And I'm in here with my good friend and producer, Billy Flynn. Say good morning, Billy. Good morning, Billy. Okay, I, I knew that was coming. This is Richmond Biz Live, a business talk show focused on Growing your existing business. Why Why existing businesses? Because here in Richmond, like in most cities around the United States, there is excellent services for startup entrepreneurs, incubators, etc. But for existing businesses, business has been around for a while, not so much. That's the purpose of the show. We like companies, and the older the better, because if you think that it's time for your company to begin to perform as it's supposed to and pay you back for the years of no checks and all the blood, sweat, and tears you put in, and probably a more than a little grief from home and your friends, you're at the right spot. And so uh, join us as we help you on your journey to grow your company. And in fact, the focus of this today's presentation is going to be talking about how do we go from uh, breaking even to breaking through. And so if you want to join us, a couple ways to get here. One, you can go to the website, richmondbizlive.com. And uh, there's plenty of buttons on there. Listen to us, see us, etc. You can get us uh, video streaming, and if you're there, I'm waving right now. Or number two, you can click listen button, or you can just dial up 990, which is where you're at right now. Our phone number, 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483, or just 844-BIZ-LIVE. Okay, so what are we doing today? Well, today's an interesting session because uh, last Saturday we finished season one. And season one was focused in on the companies that were at the 80% level, uh, the break-even level. And I'm going to go into that more in a minute. Today is going to be kind of the transition where we're going to talk a little bit about that research, why we classified companies at three levels, how do you move from level to level, and what did we accomplish in season one with 13 shows. Then what I'm going to do is take the remaining uh, remainder of the time, and I'm going to set up season two, which is the 12 shows after today, or, today, or 13 if you're counting today, on what do you do now to break through as a business? Now, what's interesting about our approach with this show is simple. One, it's got a Richmond focus. We're not a syndicated show. We're not hawking goods and services. What we're talking about is information that you could use. As a matter of fact, I happen to be one of those people that believe that radio is the new open source. I'm a big Linux guy. Everything that we run is run on open source software. And if you think about radio, it costs you nothing to dial up. And in our case... Get the information you need to run your business. Uh, and the thought behind this company, the, 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 the really the stimulus that made this happen, is that I've been in business for myself since 1987. And every Saturday, uh, I would spend my time uh, doing a couple of things. I would be looking at cash flow and billing and say, gee, are we on budget? And I would be taking a look at where we are in terms of sales forecasting for the month. Have we met our goals so far? Are we going to meet our goals? So basically, are we on sales plan? And then I would be taking a look at what deliverables we have promised customers and say to myself, are we on, uh, on, are we on schedule? Are we producing? 
And then finally, I would be looking at our area of customer complaints. What has been the response from our customers? Are they happy or are they unhappy about what we're doing? And I would take a look at where we stand on complaints or cases. And so every Saturday morning, about this time I was sitting there doing this, going, wouldn't it be wonderful if, uh, if somebody was running a radio show who was talking about the same issues that I was work, trying to work through as a business owner. And the beauty of radio is that television requires your full attention. You really can't do anything else that, other than watch TV or you miss the show. Th- what's awesome about radio is it runs in the background, you're working, then you hear something that you really like, and you stop and you pay attention. And so I thought a Saturday morning show on business was just the place to be. And so if you wanted to join us at 10.06 every Saturday morning, broadcast live from Richmond here at Richmond Biz Live, um, or go to the website richmondbizlive.com, you can get um, the latest on business. Now, today's today's schedule, let me give you, it's a little bit different. I'm going to take about the next um, uh, five minutes, and I'm going to talk about a model that uh, in concert with Kauffman Foundation and a couple other places, uh, we developed on businesses. And then um, I'm going to take from about 15 minutes after the hour to about 30 talking about last season and this idea of getting your company to break even. Then we're going to come back, and at 30 minutes past, up to about 45, we're going to be talking about season two, and that is how do you, how do you find your way to break through with your business? And finally, what we're going to do is that we're going to conclude uh, the session with the particular format because we're going to change a little bit of what we're doing here at the, uh, at the show. So here's the model. Um, we have been associated with organizations like the, the Kauffman Foundation for a number of years. And we are a meta research company. And what I mean by meta research is we do some ourselves, but we basically are consumers of other people's research. So going back to 2002, in 2002, what we did is we looked at what were the characteristics of fast growth businesses, small businesses that went from zero to huge. And what we did over the next two years is we developed a database of best practices and attributes of those companies that started with nothing and became those billion-dollar uh, firms that are now household names. And we, by building that ba- best practices, we went ahead and built a number of products, assessments, surveys, training materials, job aids, etc. Well, also that serves as the basis of this program because what we, what we got our hands on was a study done by Kaufman and um, in concert with the Bureau of Labor Statistics on the impact of high-performing uh, of high or high-impact firms on a local community. And if you look at it, most local communities are looking to attract those businesses that are growing quickly and hiring people. Well, when we looked at that research, what we recognized is that it only represented about 5% of all the companies, small businesses in the marketplace. Now, let me, give you, let me get your head around how, with the size of the marketplace today. The size of the marketplace is there are 26 million businesses in the United States. 20 million are unincorporated. So those are individuals filing um, the, the reports of the company on their individual taxes. And that's why all the rhubarb about the Obamacare and all the things going on is that people are filing separately and now do they need to incorporate because they no longer get the tax advantages that they had. Okay, so let's take the $6 million. There's 6 million incorporated companies. What they're basically saying is that 5% of the 6 million would be considered high-performing companies. 26 million companies under $50 million, only 6 of those million are incorporated, only 5% of those are high-impact firms. Companies that are market leaders or niche leaders, 
Uh, they're making money hand over fist. They're satisfying customers, uh, their investors, their creditors, etc. Well, what about the rest of the market? What about the other 95%? Well, when we looked at it a little bit further, what we found is that on the other end, there were about 80% of the companies in the United States that were just barely hanging on. And, uh, and if you look at where the economy has been since 2007, is a lot of those companies are gone. So if you're in the 80% and you're just basically getting by, and I'll describe that in a second, you ought to be proud of yourself that you're still around. And what is that 80%? The company is struggling to have predictable and sufficient cash flow to operate the company, whether it's day-to-day, week-to-week, or month-to-month. So what does that leave us? That leaves us the 15% in the middle. And the 15% in the middle are those companies that are beyond this um, um, stressing over breaking even, but they're like, okay, we got a couple bucks. Where's the future? What do we do next? What's next for us as a business? And so those 15%ers are looking for the thing that's going to require that breakout, uh, that breakthrough. And so what we did in season one was we focused on the 80%ers. And everything that we did was was focused on how do you how do I get to break even faster and so season two is going to say okay I'm there how do I determine locate find out and then make a decision about how I'm going to take this company to the next level and that's going to be the focus of season two and so with that what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity uh, here to think about that you can contact uh, contact us at 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE and we'll be back. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So... Why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. All right, we're back here at Richmond Biz Live. Hey, I want to do a couple of shout outs before I get into the show. Uh, First is uh, friends of the show, some good friends of mine, uh, Joe and Peggy. Um, Thanks for listening to the show. The same with Curtis and Robin. I greatly appreciate you. uh, attending to the show and my friends on site today we've got a a team as most of you know listen to the show uh one of the roles that i have is i i'm a vice president of a manufacturing firm that's a three-month period of time uh where i'm helping them get their business leaned up and get from the 80 percent to the 15 and i'd like to do a shout out today because we got a crew of guys who are working yesterday today and tomorrow to satisfy the customer so to paul to marshall to ray and will Hey, man, I had a great time last night celebrating the 4th, and uh, uh, we really appreciate what you do as, uh, as a business. We appreciate what you, what you do, but also as individuals. And so thanks, guys. All right, now, so let's talk about what we've done so far. So let me take this idea of the 80% and break even. How do I get there? If, I, if I'm in that 80%, how do I get there? Okay, three things. Three things going on here right now is that you got to look at one is how do I achieve operational efficiency? All right, now all that means basically is this. How do I build a system that produces high-quality products at a very fast pace at the lowest cost possible, period? Number two is how do I distinctify my offer? Now, I'm not talking about a radical change 
in what you're selling, but how do I work on it so that I can make it a little bit different than the competition? Because most of the companies, in fact, I would almost be willing to say 100%, but I'm sure there's somebody out there who will call me and go, uh, no, nah, we're, we're not in that category. So let me make it 99 point something percent is that all the companies in the 80% are competing on price because they have nothing that has made their offer distinctive. And so therefore, when the customer is looking around, if you don't, if the product doesn't have little different features or a little different quality or the service isn't a little bit different or the experience around, around buying from you is not different, then here's the deal. They have nothing else to go on but price. So therefore, they're going to buy on price. And so that's what we mean by distinctify the offer. Re-engineering the offer is something that we're going to be talking about in season three. And then finally, the third thing that you have to do to get out of this kind of this trough of business, and that is, how do I professionalize leadership and management in the firm? How do we begin to take leadership and management to the next level? And it's incredibly challenging because most business owners um, uh, don't understand that just like a promotion, if you worked in a large corporation, demand a change of behavior and a different set of skills, so does growth. Growth in the business demands that, that not only the owner, but the next level of management and as they grow, the level below that have to change their approach of how they run the business. And so, therefore, we call it professionalization of leadership and management. Now, if I go back to the operational efficiency, uh, we, had, we had three uh, segments over the uh, season one that focused specifically on that. Linda Heath on finance and what Linda was talking about were items like how do, how do I look at my fixed cost and bring it down? How do I take my fixed cost and make them variable? How do I take my variable cost and begin to eliminate those? The whole idea is how do I create a financial system, almost a culture of frugality? Not that we're cheap, but rather that we spend money that we should spend when we should spend it on the things that should be purchased and not on frivolous things. Uh, what was interesting, this whole culture of frugality, and I think I talked about it in the last show, is that if you looked at companies and when they started, is that companies that started during depressions and recessions have a, a better track record of being successful over time than companies that started in the good years. Because you think about it, you start in the good years, you get money, uh, which you don't get in the bad years, and you build monuments to yourself, buildings, you get cars, you get great office furniture. In other words, you go out and spend on on the fixings before you've got the cash flow. In bad economic times, you know, you're lucky if you can find a vegetable box um, to use as a desk. And so this idea of being very frugal as a business is critical, and Linda focused in on that. And then we had Andy Schulich from Metamorphosis. And by the way, Linda's company is um, Financial Holographics, and there's a link on our website. If you go to richmondbizlive.com and go to resources section, you can see Linda there. Then we had Andy Schulich from Metamorphosis Management Consulting, and Andy was talking about lean, and the whole idea of lean manufacturing is how do you become the lowest cost producer? And Andy talked about a lot of tips and approaches and tools that you could use to do that. Now, we're not talking about being the lowest price. That is a strategic decision. Uh, what we're talking about is you build it better, faster, for less than anybody else, and then you can use price as a weapon. And what, how do you use price as a weapon? Pretty simple. If you've got a better margin than everybody else and you just match your competitive prices, then you have a higher margin than they have. Or if you say, okay, we produce it for less than they do, we'll have the same margin as they have, then what that means is you can undercut them, undercut them on price and you can use basically use price to take business from them. But what Andy talked about is how do you look at a process? How do you look at in-process quality, 
And how do you look at product quality or delivered quality of the customer? How do you eliminate the number of steps that are required in the process? How do you put the metrics in place that you that you can you can rigorously track how well you're doing and not doing, and also the implications for inventory and and um, and your suppliers. So Andy focused on that area, and then finally the last segment that we did in season one was uh, we Tron on technology, and uh, we is at uh, fire St- the Firestarter Group, and what he talked about is how do small businesses use technology today that was not available 10 or 15 or 20 years ago on how just inexpensive it is to build a backbone, a robust electronic backbone that looks like something that costs millions of dollars for other companies. And so we talked about the various options for CRMs, for project management, uh, for financial packages. How do you integrate that? How do you use the the web or, or the cloud to store information and kind of build a platform where everybody can access it. And this whole idea of, of decreasing the pools of ignorance and increasing the pools of excellence within the organization by sharing information because it's accessible and it's on a user-friendly platform. And so next week when I talk about our new podcast package and you're interested in an operational efficiency, that'll be available for you for download. On Distinctify the Offer, that really has to do with what are some of the tweaks that I can do to what we currently offer so I'm, I can get myself out of the price business. And Eric McCama from um, Firestarter Group, when he talked about this in brand and strategy and how to do that, some of it is maybe building a few more features into the product. Some of that had to do with listening to customer closer so that we create a different experience about uh, around the whole situation. But really the essence of this was the understanding is that brand is more important than strategy. That strategy really is the implementation of brand. And in a lot of organizations, what you'll find is they get the two reversed. Brand is who you are. It's the image you're trying to create in the mind of the customer. And then everything you do as a business is directed at reinforcing that brand. Because if you look at it, there's there's four conditions out there. If you look at the customer's perception of your company, there are four levels of four conditions. One is they don't know of you. And if they don't know of you, then everything is a cold call. And if you've made a living making call calls, you know how much fun that is. Um, if you have some success in marketing and sales, then what happens then is you are known to them, but that's it. They, you know, If you were to call them up and say, have you heard of so-and-so, you, they would go, yeah, but I'm not sure what they do. The next level is preferred. And what preferred means is that when the customer is making a buying decision, that you're one of the finalists that they will consider your company. That's not a guarantee you'll get the business, but at least, damn it, they're listening to you. They're thinking about you, and you know who knows what may happen. They may call you up and ask for a quote. And then finally is top of mind, and top of mind means is that when they think about what it is that you offer, that you're the only people they think about, and it's your business to lose. And so Eric talked about the whole idea is that your branding is so critical because that's really what you're trying to establish in the market. It isn't the features of the products or services that you sell, and that strategy is the implementation of that weekly. Also, we were joined by Charles Colley uh, from the Firestarter Group, who also talked about that, and Charles has got a long track record here in the, in the greater Richmond area as a strategy consultant. And then Mary Foley was on, and she was talking about this from a totally different perspective. Mary Foley from uh, Bodacious Ventures, and Mary was talking about it from the idea that the owner themselves has to establish some sort of thought leadership. Uh, it's, not, it's one thing for your brand as a company 
to establish itself as a thought leader, and that should be done, and that was part of what Eric and Charles talked about. But this was different in that the owner can have a huge impact if they kind of establish an identity of their own that is consistent and compatible, but also somewhat separate from the corporation. Because I can tell you something, uh, uh, after working in small businesses now exclusively for the last, uh, I think, 12 years, and that is when you look at the risk-trust formula, the risk-trust formula um, has to say, it, it basically is saying, do people, when they first meet you and, they, and let's say in a sales situation they buy from you, do they buy from you because they trust you or do they buy from you because they're taking a risk? And the answer is they're taking a risk because you don't trust somebody or something until it's proven that it actually works, which means it had to have been consumed. And so why is the business owner establishing themselves as a thought leader so critical is that I have to go in there and convince somebody that they can trust me or they can trust my company or even better, they can take a risk with us that we can deliver the goods. Well, if the owners establish themselves in the local area as a thought leader, it gives them the ability to begin to reduce that risk issue to where, okay, I, I will take a risk, I will gamble with you because I know you're an expert and I know what you're talking about and I've met you and I have some sense that you're a man or a woman of integrity. And so that's where Mary took the whole thing and it was just a real different spend on branding. And she also talked a little bit about uh, which is kind of a, a new area in internet marketing, and that's using content as part of the sales process. Then finally, we get into number three, the professionalization of leadership and management. And this is where Mike Carroll not only brought together what Mary talked about and Eric talked about, but also added his particular uh, flavor. And uh, Mike from Focus Business, which is part of Sandler Training on Sales, uh, Mike talked about the whole thing about management's involvement in sales. Uh, because in the in the eighty percent companies, I, I don't want to say sales isn't critical, but the role of sales is going to be f is far different than the role that sales is going to have this season. You're going to hear a very heavy emphasis on marketing and sales now. Because how do I get hockey stick growth, which is the focus of season two? It's through marketing and sales. But what Mike did a good job with was talking about understanding based upon what you sell and who you sell to. What is the proper sales model that you should be using? Is it consultative? Is it relationship? Is it transactional? Is it more of a partnership? In other words, there's, there's lots of choices out there. Is your sales model compatible with what you sell? And then how do you manage that whole process? Because what's critical for the executives and managers and owners in a small business is that somebody's got to manage that funnel. And uh, typically in the early stages, the owner, and then as the company grows and begins to layer, you get a sales manager. But that doesn't mean that the owner is not looking at the forecast and the metrics. And if you're looking at the forecast and you're looking at the metrics of sales, you are definitely managing the funnel. And then finally, I, had, uh, I took two segments. One, I took owners and executive, and the other one on human resources. And what I did is I made those two side by side. Owner's executive was addressing what I said before, that a lot of owners, uh, because they haven't had the opportunity to have worked in a large corporation and see the demand uh, of changing how you look at your job and your role as you get promoted, they don't see that. And then when, it, when growth hits the company and is basically demanding that change, they're resistant. We call it the founder trap. I would say that the vast majority of small businesses I encounter and their struggles, the companies at the 80%, are all about founder trap. 
The company got as big as it got because of the strength of the owner, and the company is not going to get any bigger because of the weaknesses of the owner. And the owner has got to extricate themselves from that. They're going to have to step out of that role and say, I got a new role in the company so the company can grow and it can it can reach the potential that I saw there. And so I talked about that as owner, as, as executive. And then on the HR, HR side was kind of the other side of it. And I think the biggest thing that I can say about this, but these two uh, modules or segments, excuse me, is the whole issue of, of people's search for meaning is that what we, I think we, we fail to grasp in business is that people spend the majority of their lives working. If you, you take a look at your existence from the time you get out of school until the time you retire and you look at the amount of time before and the amount of time after, you spend more time working than you do anything else. And if you've been with the same company all that whole time, not that it happens much anymore, but let's go with it, you see those people more than you see your family. And so for a lot of us, and I'm one of those individuals, I draw meaning about who I am from what I do. And if I have the opportunity to work at things that are challenging, demanding, that I can achieve, and that there is some recognition in the system, both informal where somebody pats me on the back or shakes my hand and says, good job, and formally where I get some sort of boost in my compensation, those are the things that are critical to people. I can tell you right now, if you can tap that, you can get productivity improvements without doing anything in manufacturing or in service because people are dying for it. There is a, there is a lack of it in just about every organization I've been in. So anyway, that is where we've been in the first season. And what we're producing right now is we're getting our ebook together. We'll have our podcast ready uh, next week for download. And so if you're still there and you're trying to figure out how to get the break even at 80%, you're going to find incredible materials there. And when I come back from the break, uh, we'll be talking about season three, and that is um, how to find your breakthrough. We'll be back. Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. And we're back. And uh, again, if you'd like to join the show, if you are not out of town on the 4th of July holiday, it's 844-BIZ-LIVE, that's B-I-Z-L-I-V-E, or 844-249-5483. That's one option. The second option is go to the website, and uh, if you haven't been there, you ought to check it out, richmondbizlive.com, and um, you've, we've got the homepage, as you always do, with a number of links on it, and on the face of it, you've got listen to us, which means you can stream this over audio over the web. You can click watch us, and you can watch us in the studio. Billy and I are kind of having fun here, two geeks enjoying ourselves here, playing with electronic equipment. Um, you, can, you, can, <laughs> you can go to the show page, and the show page has all last season, so you can see everything that we covered that I just did in 15 minutes, and you're saying, well, if you could do it in 15 minutes, why do we have to have 13 shows? Good question. Um, it's probably better to have other people talk than have me talk all the time. 
Uh, you can go to the resources page. You can see everybody who has been involved in this. And you can go to the contact page. And if you'd like to register and be part of the show, which means you get uh, updates on what's going on, the podcast, uh, et cetera, et cetera, I would recommend you do that. All right, so where are we now? Well, now we have finished season one. We officially start season two. And season two, I'm an old corporate guy uh, from my corporate days, so I think in quarters. And so um, this season two will run to the end of September, and then October we start quarter four, and that will be our season three. And so how do I find my breakthrough? Okay, I, I'm now, I've got adequate, sufficient cash flow that is predictable, that I can pay all the bills. I've got a couple dollars left over that I can perhaps pay down my debt. I can put some away for reinvesting in the firm. And as the owner, maybe I can take some home for a change. Now you're there and you're going, okay, now what do we do? Because what, you know, what we all know about from, uh, from science is that nothing stays static. It either gets better or it gets worse. So if you're here, time to get better. And so how do I find my breakthrough? Well, I've got three bullets here for you. One is market positioning. One is marketing, advertising, and selling. And then the last one is uh, maintaining your operational capacity. So let's take the three. Market positioning. Nothing more than taking a look at who you're selling to currently and asking yourself the question of, of the accounts that we have, how much of the budget do we have? And I don't mean all of their budget, but let's say that you offer, I'll go back to the company that I'm working with in Southwest Virginia, and we ma- manufacture a particular good. Okay, how much money do they spend a year on that good, and what percentage of that do we have? If we don't have 100%, then the question is why not? Because if we are doing our job, if we're producing a quality product for these people at a competitive price, and we're bundling it, in the type of experience that they feel good about spending money with us and, they, and we become a trusted supplier or trusted advisor, why are they buying from somebody else? And so the critical question here is to take a look at accounts that you have and determine why you don't have 100% of the budget if you don't. If you do, congratulations. My guess is if you haven't looked at it that way, you don't have 100% of the budget. Then the second thing to look at is Jason Markets. Who, what are the clients, like the ones that you have, that you haven't been selling to, can you sell to? Now, how do I pick those out? Well, it's really simple. Clients that look like your best clients, because um, I have advice for you. Your worst clients, send them to your competitors. Uh, let them be tied up figuring out what to do with them as you move on. Jack Welsh had, uh, coined a term called top grading, and you can do that with people and you can do that with accounts. So I would recommend every year. The bottom 10 accounts you clean, bottom 10% of your accounts you clean out. And then what that does now, it opens up your capacity in sales to go after better business. And so what I want to do is I want to look at who else I can sell to that looks like my customers. Now, what I don't want to do, this is a season three conversation. I do not want to be thinking about new products and services because new products and services is a different demand and it's a far more risky move. What I'm saying here on this market positioning and what we're going to go with this and we're going to go at this hard is what I want to do is identify why I don't have 100% of the business of the good accounts that I have and then what are the adjacent businesses that I can sell our offer to and how do I go there and I have to identify that because if I don't identify it then the next piece becomes the stupidity that will come out of that becomes incredibly expensive and that is an aggressive 
marketing, advertising, and selling strategy. Uh, this is how you get your hockey stick growth, is that you get out there and you begin to really pump it and pump it hard. You know who you're going after, and if you know what they're like, then you know what decisions make more sense. Do I advertise on radio? Well, I'm on radio, and I would say yes, but there are some clients that probably not right on. Do I use Facebook? Well, with some clients, yes, some no. How about Twitter? How about Instagram? How, how, how about uh, Pinterest? In other words, as you look at it, there isn't a right answer, except it's a right answer for what you sell and who you're selling to and what they pay attention to. And so I want to put together a strategy in this next piece of getting 100% of the business that I don't have from my existing accounts. I want to have a strategy for how am I going to go after accounts that look like my, my best customers and what is my strategy not only to get that first piece of business, but then to grow that account so that I've got 100% of their budget, okay? And then the third part of that is what, is my, what are my tactics for running kind of a multi-channel campaign um, to go at those individuals? And what mixture do I need to put together in order to get that done? Because what you're looking to do, and the magic number here is, uh, I know companies that increase sales by 100%, 200%. That's wonderful if it happens. Here's the goal. I want to increase sales at 25% because I believe that you get beyond 25%, what happens is the balance inside the company begins to shift and that all our energy is going toward acquiring accounts and our energy is moving away from servicing the accounts we had. And so you've got to maintain a balance. If you get so aggressive in selling and acquiring new accounts, it's usually at the detriment of customers you currently have. And remember this, because this, this number has been hard and fast for the last 30 years. It costs you five times as much money to acquire a new account as it does to service the ones that you currently have because of the cost of sales. And so if you really want a cost-effective program, part of that is going after people that you had, you currently have, or people that uh, you had as customers at one time but are no longer with you. Uh, now, some of those may be unhappy with you, and that's why they're, they're, they're not with you. And they, you may have some recovery to do with them to get that business back. But a lot of times, it, they're not doing business with you because they're not doing business with you. And it's a great time to go back there and get it because they know you. And I don't have to spend a lot of time advertising and marketing to that group. And then finally is you need to be absolutely fastidious. You need to be absolutely rigorous. You need to be absolutely OCD about managing the sales funnel. You have to know your metrics inside and out, and you have to stay on top of them. And as Mike and I have talked about last uh, um, last season, what do we mean by that? Well, I use a very simple sales model um, to describe you know where people are in the pipeline. I have leads, which are people that look like we, we should be working with them, but they don't know us. We haven't touched them. Then we have I have suspects. And I think this is Miller-Hyman, their model from the late 80s. Then we have suspects, people that we've touched who seem to have some interest in what we're doing. And then we have prospects, and prospects are people that we've engaged in the sales process with, and then we have contracts. Now, I don't care what you call yours. I don't care how many steps, but here's the metrics that we keep. How many leads does it take to get suspects? How many suspects does it take to get prospects? How many prospects does it take to get a contract? So suddenly you have a ratio. I, gotta have 100, I have to have 100 businesses in the funnel to get one contract out the funnel. Oh, can I change that? Can I change that to 80 or 70 in to get one contract? 
so you can begin to work on the quality of what you're doing. And that's how you adjust your sales and marketing program is that if you got a 100 to 1 ratio, it should be coming down. And I don't know what number it should be for your industry. It could be 90 to 1 or 80 to 1. But a very effective marketing and sales campaign where you've done your homework and you're selling to the right people the right way, your your lead your lead ratio to close sales should be going down. The second thing you can work on is time frame. How long does it take you, for you to convert a lead to a suspect? How long does it take to convert a suspect to a prospect, etc.? And so the second metric you can work on is what can we do to reduce that bandwidth of time? Because every day you are open, you've got to pay for your, for your fixed overhead. Any day you can take out in sales is incredible. For example, the company I'm working with in Southwest Virginia, it costs them about $9,000 a day to keep the doors open. Now, that's either cash on hand, line of credit, etc. Because they're open about 250 days a year, multiply that by 9,000, and you get what basically it costs them every year to run the business. So think of it this way. If I can take one day out in sales, that means I get the sale one day quicker, I recognize the cash one day quicker, I've, they have to keep $9,000 less on hand or $9,000 less in in um, uh, lines of credit, etc. Um, I work. We worked at one place. We took out twenty days, and we saved that company about two hundred thousand dollars operating capital. People don't think about it that way, but that's how critical it is. And you can't do that if you haven't one come up with a sales process that you're going to use, um, and number two, manage the hell out of the funnel. And that's what we do. Um, one 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 side note on that before I move on to number three, and that's uh, just a just to get you thinking out of the box. I worked. Uh, I was one of uh, four managing partners in a consulting firm that we started in the late nineteen uh, nineties, and that's a whole story onto itself. But what we did is we worked hard at this sales funnel, and what we realized is we couldn't get the sales cycle down to less than ninety days. No matter what we did, from the time we touched somebody to the time we got a contract. Of course, I didn't mean paid because you, you got another 30 days there. It took us 90 days. We also figured out that the average meeting, the, the average cost of moving a lead to, to a suspect was $5,000. So we decided to run an ad campaign where we would pay people $5,000 for a qualified meeting. Now, the owners of the company went ballistic. They kind of went inside out, as a matter of fact. It was kind of weird because uh, somehow they thought that was crazy or dishonest. And I'm not advocating that you do that, but what I'm saying is if you think about it, if it takes you if it takes you a month and $5,000 to get a meeting, well, why not just pay them $5,000 and take the meeting, and then you can put criteria on it? Kind of go there in your brain as I move on to the next piece. And then finally, the issue is maintaining operational capacity, because what we're basically saying is that, again, in a company, you've got a balance between what you sell and what you can produce. And you can let that imbalance get about at about 25%. After that, you're in serious trouble. If you did all the things that Andy talked about um, when he was talking about going to lean in season one, you should have a fairly robust system. So that's an assumption I'm making, just like on all these other areas, that what we covered in the first season, you have done those things. Okay? So let's talk about how do I maintain operational capacity. So what I'd want you to do is I want you to, if you had a piece of paper in front of you, Right in the middle of the piece of paper, draw a center line and put the number 90%. Above that, put a line and put 95%. And below that, put a line 
what you have now just done is you've got the target of 90% operational capacity. The upper control limit is 95%. The lower control limit is 85%. Now, what do I mean? No system, no process can run at 100% capacity. It will break down. 95% is about the best you can expect over a period of time without glitches. And we're not even talking about quality issues, safety issues, et cetera. And, and my focus right now is in production. Um, on the other hand, anything below 85% is really unacceptable. You got, you get, you're not getting your bang for your buck. So if I'm running a manufacturing facility, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to get between 85 and 95% capacity of what we can do. And that 90 is where my target is. If you're in a service-based company, it's the same way. Because after a while, you know how much work you can turn out in a week given the resources that you have. And so what you basically say is if everything is perfect, what can we produce this week? That's your 100%. And you just begin to back off because people cannot perform at that level for any period of time. You can make them work the hours. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the level of productivity because productivity, you've got to, sub- you've got to subtract defect from productivity to get the real number. So how do I mean uh, operational capacity? Rule number one here is all production is demand-based. In other words, before you do anything, somebody bought it. Number two is that you work very hard on your supplier relationships because part of that is to get the best deal possible when you're buying whatever it is you're buying. But also, if you have to carry any inventory, you can probably get that inventory carried by your vendor. Number three, just like the issue on the sales funnel, and that is your core metrics uh, for the business um, have to be monitored and rigorously measured because you've got to know where you stand in that bandwidth because you can get more units out the door, but if defects go up, then you actually have either fewer units going out the door or you got to use more raw material to meet that number. And so the defect number is usually the canary in the mine, okay? That preventive maintenance has to be in effect and the only time machinery is down is planned. That's the rule. The only time a piece of gear is down is because you plan to have it down on that day so you can keep it running. Okay? And then the last piece of this is all the personnel are cross-trained. So if somebody gets sick, somebody wants to take vacation, you have somebody who can take their position as opposed to going, now you can't go, or you let them go, and then you try to fill it with somebody that's unskilled. So let me, let me conclude. Season two before we take our last break of the day. Season two is going to be around three core issues. How do I look at my market and make a decision about who are the best accounts and how do I get the most money out of the accounts I have? Number two is that how do I put together a marketing, advertising, and sales campaign to produce the interest that will get me hockey stick growth? And then number three, how do I keep my processes operating at maximum efficiency so I can meet the sales demand? And if I can do all those three things, then I can break through and move my company to the 5% or season three. And we'll be back. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. Hey, we are back at richmondbizlive.com. 
your radio show to grow your company. And what we just finished doing here is we finished talking about what you can expect from season two in terms of topics. Now what I want to do is I'm going to talk about the format. And season one, because of the nature of it, we were basically running eight segments, four per, uh, four per week. So we ran an A schedule and a B schedule. Every other Saturday, you had the uh, same topic areas and the same business owners. And I didn't say this at the beginning, so let me say it now. We have subject matter experts. We have thought leaders. The people who are on the show are thought leaders in their respective professions and in the local Richmond area. They're also owners of their own companies. When nobody, on, nobody that's on here is talking to you theoretically. Everybody is doing it. Uh, well, while I'm working as VP of a company in uh, Southwest Virginia, everything that I know, all my best practices are being deployed every day, and it's a great testing ground for um, ideas that I have to say, should that be included or deleted. And so everything that you get in the, in the segments by those thought leaders are from people who are practicing this every day. What we've decided to do was 10 minutes. We talked about it, it was a 10-minute TED presentation, Radio TED. We're now going to take it to 15 minutes, so we're going to reduce the number of segments. We're going to have a segment on finance uh, where we're going to be talking about now what does is, what is the financial picture look like and how do you manage your cash flow during a period of rapid growth because the number one, uh, the number one thing that kills a company at this point in time, um, is uh, destruction of working capital. Because so when you're in a growth spurt, you know, you thought managing cash flow and managing the financials was critical in season one, it becomes more critical in season two. Then we're going to have the segment back on marketing and sales. And in marketing and sales, we're going to be talking about how to basically use that, use this to generate the hockey stick growth. We've added a third one, and that gets into uh, the area that got me started in this about being on, being at where do we stand on customer cases, and that is we're going to add a third segment on customer service, where we're going to be focusing on on now how are we with the customers we have, how are we dealing with them. Now, I know a lot of people will tell you how good customer service is for the company, and they'll kind of make a morality play out of it, and I don't disagree with that. But I'm a hard-headed business guy, and what I care about is you know how much money are we making as a company Customer service is nothing more than internal sales. The way I want you to look at it from this point forward is if you give bad customer service, you will not be able to sell anything to existing accounts. This is a sales function. You, you satisfy the customers that you currently have, and you will be able to consistently sell to them at least what you've been selling, and perhaps you can get that 100% of their available budget for the products and services that you offer. Uh, and that's going to be on our A segment. So starting next uh, Saturday, we'll have finance, marketing, and sales, customer service. Then on the B circuit, uh, we're not going to call it processes. We're going to change the name, and we're going to call it productivity. And so what we're going to be talking about is the productivity of a system. Um, and so we're going to be taking it, and how do we get, how do we get to um, um, operating at maximum capacity, and how do we keep it there? And then instead of calling it people, we're going to call the next segment performance because what we're going to be looking at is how engaged are, is the workforce and how are they performing as they are. we are trying to meet our productivity and sales demands. And then we are going to keep owner as the executive because I really think it's critical to help all of you out there, business owners, kind of work your way through this challenge of, of how do I begin to surrender control of the company. And what I, what I know as a small business owner myself, by the way, is the the challenge of you feel like you're really giving up control. 
And what I want to make a case is you are not. What is happening as the company grows, and this is what the focus of, as owner, as executive is going to be, is that your control of the company gets more sophisticated. So let me just give you a thought here. You started off by doing direct supervision, hub and spoke. You're the hub, they're the spokes. Well, that's okay when there's seven or eight spokes in the wheel. What do you do when there's 30? And the, the answer is you can't. And so what you now move to is you move to from a direct supervision to a control of processes, which is where Andy and I spent the first season with you. And we are going to spend some time this season. Once you know that the processes are in place, then the next step is you manage by results. Because now you know that they're doing it the right way. You know the quality is there. You know the cost savings are there. You know all the component pieces are in there. Now what you do is you begin to manage people by what they produce. The end result of that is it working. And so have you given up any control? You've given up no control whatsoever. It's just got a little bit more sophisticated because you can. And then finally, when we get to season three, how do we control? We control by creation of ad hoc or specific teams, project teams, to work on special issues for the company to help grow the firm. And that's where your control mechanism goes. Are you ever out of control of the business? You are not. All you've changed is what you control as a company. And so those are the segments, and uh, we will have the program guide up uh, sometime early this week. Uh, Hopefully on Monday you'll be able to look at the program guide, download it, see who the hosts are going to be. Uh, I should say not the host. The thought leaders are going to be for those particular segments. Now, let me uh, let me kind of, in the last couple of minutes, kind of close out some thoughts for you. And that is, uh, season one was was a great deal of fun for us. And we talked about that last week a little bit, about uh, how humbled I have I have become from doing 13 weeks of radio. I've, I've, I have an internet radio show and had for a couple of years. Uh, but that's dramatically different than being on broadcast. And that's why we moved from the internet you know, it seems like counterintuitive. Everybody's moving the Internet for radio, and we're moving back. But I'm serious about radio being the new open-source medium. It's kind of like owning Linux. And what great opportunity you have uh, by listening to this show of gaining thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of consulting because I can guarantee you that nobody else, nobody else on the planet is getting this, uh, what we're giving you at this price. Uh, so it's been a humbling experience. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the lessons learned and we're going to take that into season two and we're going to make season two even sharper and uh, more precise by giving every um, thought leader a 15-minute segment. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to really do more of a drill down also is that uh, give more opportunity for call-ins. And we're going, to, we're going to start a new feature called Nuggets. And uh, each segment is going to have a PDF ready for download off the resources page on the nuggets covered by each one of the thought leaders in that segment. And so give you an opportunity to get some quick guides uh, to that. So I guess that's kind of the, the story I've got for you. Um, what I'm going to now do is I'm now going to um, work on next season, but also as I'm going to put my energy back into playing VP of manufacturing or VP of a manufacturing company, and begin to uh, continuously use these principles in order to grow that company. Uh, The one thing that I can say to you to kind of close out is uh, we've tried to change the culture of that facility, Uh, not that the culture of the past was bad, but we've had to change it because of what we needed. And so what what we've done is we've increased productivity by the simple rule of being on the floor every day, 
asking people their opinions, praising good performance when we see it, holding people accountable when we don't see the good performance, and giving them direct answers, being completely and totally transparent about the operation of the business. And one of the things that we are going to start doing this month is we're going to do start our implementation of lean and our lean metrics. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to start classes on the great game of business. And what we're going to do is we're going to teach the people in the business the financials. We're going to show them how the company makes money. Now, we're not going to break it all down into every little single piece, but what we are going to do is we are going to show them how their group, their department, makes money for the company and justifies the budget. And so instead of, instead of having people grousing about why was that decision made, now they're going to be able to go look at it and, in fact, come to us and be able to say, hey, why are we doing, why are we doing this? Because I think this would be more cost-effective. And when you get people coming up and, and offering you improvements where it improves quality, reduces time, reduces cost, and they're coming to you with those ideas, I think you're in great shape as a business. Uh, so with that, um, thanks for Season 1. Looking forward to Season 2. Do not miss it. Be here every Saturday at 10.06 on WLEE News Talk 990 for Richmond Biz Live. Your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week.